happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Let's have a very special shout-out to our favorite returning guest, uh, one of the core members of the Ridiculous History family, the legendary super producer, Mr. Casey Pegram. Glad to be back with you guys again. Good to have you. We were just talking about like Marvelfication of uh, of cinema, and like we've got the ridiculous cinematic universe. I'm the extended universe coming in. Yeah, Yeah, dude, you're the core universe returning. You know what I mean? This is uh, so. I'm Ben. Uh, you're Noel. We've got Casey. Cause I. Yeah, we've got a shout out to uh, Max White Pants Williams oh. off on adventures in the Pacific I hope those Northwest. Pants are still clean. I hope they're still pristine. I hope he keeps them under glass. And you know, Noel, I don't. I think I mentioned it, but I didn't want to go too hard on him because I didn't want him to feel eclipsed. But I also have a pair of white pants for a wedding, and I straight oh, up man. did not wear them because I was like, ah, it's going to be a long, hot Tuscan afternoon. You oh, know. Tuscan. That's, uh, you know what? Wearing a white suit in Tuscany is very on brand. I think that's that's cool. It's very Godfather, too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess ask. so, yeah. I, there, there, is, there are photographs of me that exist out there in the world somewhere of me as a small child wearing a white suit to a wedding as well. So while I'm not with you contemporarily, mm-hmm. uh, young me uh, mm-hmm. is, is, is on board. I've got a, uh, I got a seersucker. I call it my televangelist suit. Casey saw me <laughs> wear it a few times back in the day. You remember oh, what I'm yeah. talking about? Yeah. How does one suck a seer, Ben? Uh, well, you can suck up to a seer by following a cult, right? There you go. There uh, you go. But, uh, but one thing that stands out, uh, uh, when you... Okay, my very close friend who had this wedding in Italy, uh, he... Weddings can be stressful. They're beautiful, right? I was there just to basically drop a hot three minutes, do my tight three minutes there. And uh, when I got there, first time in Italy... I looked around, and this is my buddy Corey Oliver. We all know him, and uh, and I was like, Corey, dang man, 
all those paintings at Olive Garden are accurate. This is what it looks like. And he said, don't say that, dude. I've worked so hard on this. But I looked at it and you look out across, you know, this like wine country landscape. And it seems uh, that all of the trees and the shrubs are just so. They seem Mm -hmm. somehow naturally manicured. Italy runs topiary, at least in the the natural sense. And I, I think it's something that, uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna spend some time on this, Noel, because uh, our research associates are also pretty excited about this. Did you guys have like topiary growing up? Did you go through hedge mazes? Anything like that? Well, I mean, I don't think we are of the echelon of society that uh, <laughs> has topiary. I don't know about y'all. My upbringing was somewhat middle middle class at best. Topiary seemed like they're the kind of thing that go in like. Tuscan Gardens or like, <laughs> right, you know, right. uh, Biltmore Estate. Don't they have topiaries at yeah, Biltmore yeah, Estate? I'm pretty yeah. sure they do. Or like, you know, the Overlook Hotel in The Shining. Well, I was going to say, that's my association is reading The Shining, the novel, and reading about the topiary animals coming to life and all that. So, yeah. Which they didn't really play up in the movie at all. There's no, yeah. No, Edward Scissorhands. Edward that's Scissorhands a hallmark Hands of topiary. Topiaryism? Yeah. Topiaryization? Yes, for the topiary enthusiast in the crowd, a huge contingent of ridiculous historians, the time has come. I remember many years ago, I would, like, we we probably all had to do a little bit of landscaping, housework stuff growing up, and uh, one of the things that I, I don't want to say got in trouble for, but got reprimanded for, was uh, we had one of those electric hedge trimmer clipper yeah. things. You and did your own topiary, huh? I did some topiary. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, and then my, uh, my mother, who has passed, uh, saved me and was like, you messed up this shrub, so now, while you're here, go ahead and do something with the rest of them. And so <laughs> continuity is key. There we go. She 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 disnified <laughs> me. But uh we don't know. It turns out topiary uh, as an art, as a craft, as a pursuit is pretty ancient. We in the modern day have no idea who looked at a shrub and said, nah, I'm gonna zhuzh it up a little. Yeah, topiary uh, is kind of like the uh, balloon animals of gardening, you know, in yeah. a lot of ways. Um, and it's older than you'd think, which I guess makes sense because, you know, as long as there have been people walking the earth, I think there have probably been some form of bush. Yeah, uh, they and, predate and, you know, humans by I think a long that's, time. I think that's probably right. And if there's one thing that humans have always been known for is having imagination. You look at a thing, you say, you know what, what if that thing were another thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, and how can I make that happen? Maybe with... Um, this rock or just by, you know, tearing away branches with my rough hewn, uh, you know, ape hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We know Romans uh, were fans of topiarization and they seem to have picked it up like so many other things from the Greeks of old. And then the ancient Egyptians were also snipping away at topiary. We're getting a lot of this from a great article on country life. Topiary, the ancient art of transforming nature into cubes, pyramids, and peacocks. Uh, So that's a, we always love a shout out to a weird headline. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I think the, the the key here is it was it's always been a sign of opulence because like who has the time, <laughs> you know, or the resources to do something so borderline frivolous and absurd, you know, that requires a lot of care and maintenance. I mean, I I could barely 
get a haircut on a regular basis, let alone keep my topiary from becoming overgrown. I've been wearing a hat all week because I haven't made the time to shower. So I get it. You know, people are out here changing the world. I fell asleep trying to put on a pair of pants one time. I love, I love the notion, though, that wearing a hat is somehow a good cover up for not showering. I, <laughs> it is. Also, we're recording remotely. So no That's one true. no That's one true. can smell me. Everybody pretend I smell amazing. But no, uh, you do. You, I can tell you uh, from experience, you do smell amazing. Ben, ben is that lavender? <laughs> it is lavender, Casey. Follow my OnlyFans. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, you're raising excellent point here. I would put topiary. It reminds me of an earlier episode we did on uh, garden hermits. You know, topiary right. is like a step beneath garden hermits, mm-hmm. <laughs> beneath paying a, a human, uh, otherwise homeless guy. Yeah, it'd be a, a lawn exhibit. But uh, we know that back in, as far as... Um, 100 CE, Pliny the Younger talked about his garden in his country via or villa, because to your point, Noel, it is something that pretty wealthy people tend to do in society. And he he was like, ah, oh, my garden at my country house, I've got this whole slope adorned with figures of animals in box. I've got a lawn that's enclosed with evergreen shaped in a variety of forms. It was like his version of cribs. That's why he was describing this. I think animals in box would be a good name for a band. I don't know why. It just it just hit me that way. That works, no, it's, yeah. It, it, it's true. Pliny the Younger. I guess related to Pliny the Elder? Or they, were mm-hmm. we just trying to keep our Pliny straight? Okay, no, cool. they're trying to franchise it. Got it. Got it, got it, got it. Well, um, he describes uh, cypress trees that were cut into the shape of figures, um, letters even, like messages, inscriptions, uh, certain kind of things you might see carved in marble, like monuments, like obelisks and and such, uh, again, in this Tuscan villa. Um, And he credited a guy named named Gaius, Gaius Matius Calvinus, for introducing this whole concept. It's art form to none other than Julius Caesar, who, you know, when you're Caesar, when you're king and you something strikes your fancy, it's going to strike the fancy of, of the whole, you know, empire. And, and that's exactly what happened. It became quite popular across uh, the Roman Empire. Right, because as we see over and over again in human societies, when the people at, up top do something, even if it's kind of dumb, then mm-hmm. other people who aspire to be at that echelon will right. mimic it, will emulate it. Uh, I think another good, probably one of the most extreme examples of that is the origin of Castilian Spanish, where, you know, the ruler had a lisp. So everybody else was like, oh, yeah, por supuesto. Vosotros. Uh, and that's <laughs> luckily, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Luckily, that's no longer. Um, a thing. If you go to Spain today, you'll see that most uh, most Spanish nationals, as younger generations come to the forefront, they are less likely to have that accent. That is interesting. I did not know that story, Ben. That's super cool uh, and and random. <laughs> but it's history is full of this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the art of topiary. Uh, to, I think it's just topiary. I think that's its own mm-hmm. plural or, or whatever. Uh, or, or yeah, topiary is the thing, and the art of topiary is the thing that you do. It was super popular under Caesar, but much like uh, early flush toilet technology, um, when the Roman Empire fell, so did topiary fell out of fashion at the very least because largely, you know, it was 
tough times. It was like a, a time of struggle uh, when gardening and, and farming um, was more about being functional than it was about being decorative. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and also I should say, Noel, uh, Casey, fellow ridiculous historians, just in the interest of transparency, the story about the medieval king speaking with a lisp has been um, caught. People debate back and forth over whether that's a myth. Uh, so we we I, at lest we unfairly characterize uh, medieval Spanish kings as you know their versions of Mike Tyson's. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Like any aesthetic, we see a wax and a wane, a rise and a fall cyclically. And to your point, Noel, as uh, constant infighting in these different empires made cities increasingly resort to big walls for security, there was uh, less and less space for gardens, even if you were the people at the tippity top, the grand poobahs. So the topiary's ornamental nature had to uh, had to shift. Now it had to have a function. You needed to have fruit trees. You needed to have things that could produce food. That's right. In case of, you know, another siege, which was a constant reality of the time. Yeah, so also plants needed to be quite hearty, you know, and not be delicate, dainty, little elephant-shaped bushes, you know, things that would stand uh, under serious weather conditions or, as you put it, Ben, like, you know, certain wartime conditions even, <laughs> although probably no amount of hardiness is going to, you know, stand up to a, a, you know, scorched earth kind of campaign, right? 
Exactly. Yeah, this is not the uh, this is not the place for the precious lilies, as we found, actually, uh, <laughs> because plants needed light and space, and in my opinion, they need some kind gardening to really thrive. You know, I'm a fan. I think we're all fans of talking to plants just for the funsies. Uh, because of all these things plants needed and because of these wartime situations that seem to occur constantly, there wasn't a lot of gardening of any kind in Europe for several centuries. Gardening went from being a privilege of the wealthy at a, a working man's industry to a thing that didn't really happen. It became anachronistic until Charlemagne, our friend from the Breakfast Club, Charlemagne the God? Mm-hmm. Till Charlemagne, uh, in his younger days, in 800 CE, brought back gardening. <laughs> I knew it was only a matter of time. Um, yeah. I love, so it's so funny, like, Charlemagne, I guess, Casey, to, if we could put you on the case, that is like a French portmanteau, I guess, that means Charles the Great. Well, it's, it's from the French form of the Latin adjective magnus, meaning great. Mm, so, yeah. Okay. It's like uh, if you, in French, if you said magnifique. So it's sort of like a, yeah, like a, a slang Magnificent, almost. great. Yeah. But it's also like saying VIN number or ATM machine then, <laughs> right. isn't it? Yeah, it's like bit. Charles the Great the Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little redundant. Casey on the case. Casey on the case indeed, bump, bump. Uh, he is very much interested in uh, this functional type of, of, of farming, you know, which Ooh. is interesting. You'd think he maybe would have, have brought back topiaries right away, but he's more interested in herb gardens and fruit trees and, and bringing this stuff back to France. Um, around 1000 AD, monasteries followed suit and started, you know, we know monasteries have a have a history also of like, you know, brewing beer and, and mm -hmm. doing kind of more bespoke kind of handcrafts and stuff like that. They started cultivating herbs and flowers and little shrubs. Oh, little shrubs. Yeah, <laughs> like the knights who say knee. Uh, uh, shrubbery, that's it. Shrubbery. And so after about 1000 AD or CE, whatever you prefer, when when this stuff is happening in Europe, we see that there are also these things called paradise gardens in Spain and Sicily. And these are a little bit different because they're not entirely functional. They're not sources of food during sieges. They come from the Moorish occupation because the Islamic culture controlled these parts of the world during this time. And I want to shout out to uh, Beyond Bankies, uh, over, uh, who, who have a great article on the history of topiaries uh, by Larry Hurley, who talks about this. It, there's an interesting sort of uh, contrast here because, like you said, the monasteries are growing herbs and flowers and shrubs, you know, and they're using these things for food. They're using them to flavor different beverages that they are creating to make dyes for the illustrated manuscripts. The Moorish Paradise Gardens are saying, hey, let's just have a nice landscape to look at. You know what I mean? Let's take in the sunset and, and, and watch the butterflies flit about. Uh, so the thing was, it was cool. Everybody at some... In some way, both of these pursuits led to green space. Uh, and now we have to introduce the Anglo-Saxons and the Vikings, who are, you know, 
mainly known for the pillaging. <laughs> the plundering, <laughs> yeah. the scorching of, of the earth, uh, mm. not necessarily for their love of, uh, of gardening. Um, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, it does, however, look to be the case that uh, Norman nobles actually reintroduced concepts of, uh, of topiary, perhaps inspired by things they had seen in their travels, uh, Islamic gardens, for example, in Sicily, you know, some of these types of gardens. Um, enclosed plots that added a little bit of you know, privacy hedges, kind of, you know, in castle courtyards and in some of these monasteries. And this is where the term, I believe, horticulture comes in, where we have the term hortus conclusus. Well, that's a Harry Potter spell, right? I think that's right. Uh, which was, it was a practice, I guess, of trimming hedges and topping them with almost like the kind of thing you'd see on the top of a Christmas tree, um, but with like standards, you know, like uh, the the eagle or whatever it might be, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And there was a, an increasing trend of sophistication because now topiary is back, baby. We're going Greco-Roman with it. Uh, you would see more intricate cuts of shrubs uh, in the late 1300s. Uh, we saw the rise of a topiary known as the Estrade. And things like rosemary, this is interesting. We'll talk a little bit about bonsai at some point, but shrubs like rosemary could be trained into these semi-uniform kind of standardized shapes. And you would do that by giving them an exoskeleton, basically uh, iron frame that has a couple of different hoops of decreasing oh. size. And then that would kind of limit its growth in exactly. a certain way to make exactly. it take on that shape on its own. That's mm -hmm. pretty cool. And this coincided to, again, the Italian Renaissance occurs later, and the Italian Renaissance is a bunch of people in Italy going full fanboy, like beast mode fanboy for everything they consider ancient Rome. And part of that, surprise, surprise, was topiary. So the, the 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 kind of template, I guess, for this type of garden did really come out of Italy. Um, Europe really looked to that model uh, for a lot of these decorative gardens for several hundred years. Um, these included these herb gardens, these form, like what to your point, Ben, the kind of restrained growth of these clipped herbs and these shrubs that would form, you know, when, when looked at from above, these really intricate geometric patterns. Uh, a lot of potted plants were happening. There would be uh, espalier trees, is that a type of a tree, Ben, or is that a, a style? That's kind of the exoskeleton we're talking about. Oh, that's the word for it. That that's cool. Trees. I learned yeah. something new today. I learned several new things today. I try to learn something new most days. I think we all do here in Ridiculous History World. Um, but yeah, these kind of little accents. And then also, Casey, uh, to your point about The Shining, uh, they didn't have spooky, uh, you know, living topiary animals, but they did have a pretty boss uh, hedge maze. Oh, yeah. Which is a great you know, sequence in that film. Um, I've never personally walked a hedge maze or a corn maze for that matter. Have y'all ever yes. found your, yeah, what's it like? Uh, it's, it's cool. They run the gamut because there are some that are meant to be more away to while away the afternoon. And so for some of those, they might not always be uh, taller than human height, but then there are others that are really intricate. There's one I want to visit. Um, no, you remember that book, uh, The Codex, 
that I love. The mm-hmm. the publisher of that, who is like a very old Italian money guy, uh, was also known for having the uh, world's largest hedge maze oh, wow. on his estate in Italy. And okay. yeah, he passed away. That's a flex. Uh, that's a very specific <laughs> weird flex. We should probably have Miles and Jack back on. Yeah. yeah. But um, but yeah, and then corn mazes, you know, are seasonal. You can find them here in the southern US. Uh, and those are those are kind of like I would put them in the pantheon of autumnal hangout things like hay rides, which you mentioned on a previous episode, or you know, outdoor haunted houses. Question, is the Minotaur at the center of a corn maze made of corn? I don't believe there is a Minotaur, but it'd be cool if they had like a Minotaur Like a cow or something. Yeah, if they had either a Minotaur-themed scarecrow (laughs) or a straight-up cow. I do like that. It's a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps a a disgruntled cow, (laughs) you know? Uh, So, yeah. Uh, What about you, Casey? Corn mazes, hedge mazes? I have not been to one. I was looking actually at uh, pumpkin patches here in Georgia, and there mm. is one that has some, you know, a tiny little corn maze it's, kind of thing. It's going nearby. On. I think that's yeah. the one I went to with uh, with my family over the weekend. It's called Burt's yes. Pumpkin Patch, and it's not on site, but I think there's a corn maze adjacent that's like a separate property. But they do do a hayride that has some uh, very subtle, not so subtle yeah. religious indoctrination coming <laughs> <Okay>. from animatronic <laughs> pumpkins. And our pal, uh, our pals Dylan Fagan. Uh, was there uh, as well as Miranda Hawkins? Mm-hmm. I want to say, That's uh, right. yeah. So, it was a good time. I spent way too much money on pumpkins, but my house is looking very festive right now. <laughs> nice, you're a pumpkineer, uh, and please do carve them. I love it. I love carving pumpkins. So, doing it this weekend. Nice. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. (laughs) You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC 
was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So the Medicis, who are known for doing some evil stuff and also being big art patrons, uh, and they're the billionaires of their day, basically, they love flexes. And so people in Medici social class and above are all about keeping up with the other obscenely wealthy Joneses. They want to always one-up each other with the most expensive, opulent displays of wealth, the biggest parties, the best art, the nicest, most impressive buildings. Horticulture is no exception. You will see things like the Villa Caracci uh, right outside Florence, completed around 1416. Uh, It has all kinds of topiary, uh, spheres, porticos, temples, vases, urns, a bunch of animals, giant people-sized things, men, women, so wild. you know, famous I, I people. Yeah, I haven't really witnessed one of these. I, I'm, you know, I, you know what happens when you get older? Mm. You get really into, like, pots and buying nice pots and pans and sweaters and gardening. Like, I, I just, you know, I never in a million years would have been like, I need a garden. But lo and behold, <laughs> I spent way too much money on landscaping my backyard. And I love it. It's not nothing like this, but it's just nice to have. I don't know. I think it's maybe humanity's um, desire to kind of control their surroundings or to in some way exert, you know, their influence over like the earth or whatever. And a lot of the stuff that we're getting to better that we're, we're working through, it's all based around leisure time and like, you know, the ability to to do something just because because it's nice like the you know let's watch the butterflies in the in the topiary garden but i have not seen things like this in person have you been it seems like in your travels you would have wandered through some topiary gardens yeah yeah and you can see um Actually, we are immensely privileged to live in the fair metropolis of Atlanta because Atlanta is home to the Atlanta Botanical Garden. They have Alice in Wonderland themed ones, don't they? Yeah, they I have, haven't been. Yeah. Okay, it's God, a great, I'm, it's I'm a great it on weekend my date. Yes, you know, yes, take yes, yes. take day and the kid, and um, and I. I love going there as a group. Uh, they have a lot of cool, larger-than-life sculptures. Of course, being you know, being that it is a garden, it is seasonal. So check ahead. It's kind of like the High Museum. They have rotating stuff that goes in and out, and they have a lot of um, famous artists that come through uh, who put their own spin on things. But yeah, it, we can see the topiary now, I believe. What is it? It's mid-October as we record. I don't know. We'll have to check. We'll check at the end, and we'll see what they've got going on. This might be like when we decided to go to a monster truck rally. 
Yeah, that was really, really fun, except I did bring my kid who has some serious uh, sensory overload issues. Monster Truck Rally, not the best place for a kid like that. (laughs) But it was definitely an experience. It was also intensely hot, and I had forgot that there's no shade in those bleachers. You're just, like, under the beating, you know, oppressive sun. Just the scale of it, too, man. It was neat. I'm glad I went. I don't think I'll ever go again, but, like, I can can check that one I would go if it was a different time of year, or if it was more convenient. But uh, it's, it's just, it's just cool to see, you know, when you see a monster truck rally, what you're witnessing is the two absolute opposite spectrums of human intelligence and curiosity occurring simultaneously. Like imagine being smart enough to build this huge stadium, being uh, ingenious enough to not only invent cars, but invent these amazing cartoon cars, and then also being human enough to say, well, now we should wreck them, you know, hold my beer. Exactly. That's that's humanity. It is. Yeah. <laughs> so control, he, baby. <laughs> so the Italian gardeners become a huge industry, right? Italian topiary specialists. And they keep expanding to build these increasingly bigger things as the Medici type dudes are in an opulence arms race. <laughs> and these are the, the same folks that were like patrons of the arts. I yes. mean, they, they had some very refined taste and they did some amazing things. You know, they, they were, they, they were patrons and benefactors of incredible artists. We probably would not have, would be able to enjoy the work of, of some of these uh, figures if it weren't for the, for the Medici's. And they also were big fans of uh, flexing their wealth, you know, mm-hmm. on the world. And by the way, Ben, the, the gardens that you mentioned were designed by another uh, individual that, that these folks we could say were you know, acting as benefactors for, the architect Leon Battista Alberti, who incorporated uh, some really elaborate, like, you know, again, these these Medicis wanted anything that they did, they went large. Uh, and they wanted Alberti uh, to take the topiaries to places they'd never been before. Mm-hmm. So he had these, like, boxes, topiarized boxes and uh, with the, that contained spheres, mm-hmm. um, temples, urns. We had oxen, a partridge in a pear tree, a bear, goats. I'm just naming stuff now because they probably had it. Yeah, warriors. A harpy. I mean, this is like, you know, you ever see those guys on uh, some of those like really over-the-top like cooking shows that like work in chocolate, you know, and they make like a freaking race car out of chocolate. It's more like fabricating, you know, a a product than it is making, you know, a delicious dish. It's That's the level that these folks were going, you know, to get the detail, to have like a harpy with the talons and like warriors, philosophers, Mm -hmm. cardinals and popes absolutely wild stuff yeah we i mean the stuff we're naming even if it sounds like we're we're being um a little redundant there you have to understand if you can imagine a topiary sculpture they probably did it and they had visitors international visitors from places like France. So the royalty the aristocracy of France comes over uh actually I'm being diplomatic the kings of France invade Italy several times. So it's it's kind of a visit with a motive. And while they are invading and sowing chaos, they like the gardens. And so, you know, war is a great communicator of culture, unfortunately, in addition to all the evil stuff it creates. Uh, so these French kings start importing Italian styles for all kinds of stuff, for food, 
for you know cuisine, for fashion, for literature, and of course for topiary. And eventually, for a while, just like the Romans were kind of aping Greek style, for a while the French were just emulating Italian style until they began developing their own sort of vibe. And their yeah. vibe is a little more militaristic almost, like rigid, mm-hmm. symmetrical. Yeah, very aesthetic. It really was like very kind of weirdly, almost like brutalist, uh, you know, uh, topiary, uh, rigid. You're right, like you said, Ben. Very rigid. Um, a lot of symmetry. Very Wes. Wes Anderson would would approve. Um, he's also he's a big Francophile. Did you know that, Casey? Wes Anderson is like permanently. A, he lives there a Paris. lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. At apartment in Paris. Yeah, I think he's there pretty much all the time. He loves it. Whoa, hold the phone or hold the hedge trimmers. Uh, this is a two-parter. Careful with those, by the way. Careful. Those are sharp. They are. Yeah, watch yourself. Uh, we've gone deep and we're going deeper because there's a lot more to the story of Topiary than you might clock if you're just walking through Versailles. This is right. Uh, on this episode, we went deep. Next episode, we're going to go wide mm-hmm. and hard mm-hmm. in the paint mm-hmm. when it comes to Topiaries, the balloon animals of gardening. So big, big thanks, of course, uh, to Casey Pegram, our super producer, dear, dear family member of the show. Casey, we're going to ask, we'll give you till part two to ask if you want to, you know, make this a semi-regular thing. But thank you so much, man. You're just, you're the business. Okay. I will, uh, I'll mull it over. Yeah, Give it yeah. some thought. Give All right. Some yeah, yeah, yeah. Thought. Yep. We don't want to do a hard sell. Thanks also to, of course, Mr. Max Williams, super producer, Max Whitepants Williams. God, his pants are just so white, blindingly white. White. <laughs> Blinded by the white. Pants. Yeah. And uh, of course, thanks to his real life sibling, Alex Williams, who composed this slap and bop you here mm-hmm. right now. Christopher Asiotis and Eve's Jeff Coates here in spirit. All the hits. Jonathan Strickland, mm-hmm. that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, Ben. Cheese Louise. And also with you. Hey, <laughs> with all of you. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X visit tomboyx.com. Hey girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher back with another season of the global number one podcast, the girlfriends. Last time we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official 
Challenge Podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.